With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV and start streaming now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. The world outside your window may not be great, but in here, everything is Falcon Super, as we're talking all things the Falcon and the Winter Soldier here on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. Mike Bloom stepping in, hoping I was able to sell that opening line, at least more so than Wyatt Russell is selling that Captain America helmet. Uh, all Very excited to talk about Sponge Cap Squareheads and everything else going on with the opening episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I, of course, joined by true two intrepid people to walk us through this six-episode series as the MCU continues its Disney Plus coverage. First, someone who I know could probably spank me in a battle, a barside battleship, Kevin Mahadeo. Kevin, how's it going? I am very good at battleship. I can read you like a book just for- <laughs> i know just from looking at you exactly where you place your battleships and you are one of those people who place your battleships perpendicular so <laughs> yeah listen you calm you caught me out latanya uh once upon a time on another type of podcast you said that, that you have read another psr co-host Chappelle like a book does that play into battleship as well do you think you could take Chappelle down very easily just looking at what he might be placing battleship well, Ch- Chappelle oh. is tricksy and false so I'm not sure. <laughs> also, like, very competitive about random things. So I'm sure if we tried to play Battleship together, it would just become a war. You know, <laughs> just turn from Battleship into war. Family. It would cause yeah. a civil war. <laughs> exactly. Well, listen, someone who is also competitive about random things, Captain America, and therefore the legacy that he leaves behind. As we're talking about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier here on Posher Recaps. For those of you that uh, didn't tune into either the end of the WandaVision coverage or the sort of transitional podcast that we did at the end of last week, this is a different voice than Josh Wiggler. Uh, obviously, Wait, you're not jo- Josh? What? This, what? Is when, this is when I take off my like uh, Helmet Zero-like facial technician uh, technology to reveal that I am not Josh Wiggler this entire time. Uh, I'm going to be stepping in for Josh. Josh is stepping away from the Falcon and the Winter Soldier coverage. He's got a lot of great stuff to do, not only with the podcast here on Posher Recaps proper, but as well on Inverse.com, which they are just like up to their eyes uh, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier content. Much like the Wilson family is up to its eyes in debt, so is Josh Wiggler with content on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So if you're missing some Josh, check it all out on Inverse.com. But for right now, the three of us are going to be holding down the fort Covering these six episodes, uh, we put this out at the beginning of every episode, but let me put it out once more as we get into a new season that we are going to be spoiling everything from here on out about the first episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. 
maybe some other stuff, depending on uh, what sort of speculation is going to come out of this. So fair warning, if you have not watched the episode, go ahead and watch it on Disney Plus right now. It's about, you know, 47 minutes plus credits. So be sure to check that out and then pop back here. And of course, at the beginning of a new series, we always appreciate you subscribing to our Everything is Super Only feed on your podcatcher of choice, as well as giving us some nice ratings and reviews uh you know cap's got a big star in his uniform and you hope he can give us five stars as well uh and, and truly make this america's falcon and the winter soldier podcast if you want to uh <laughs> rather than america's ass which i guess would be the other end i, I um, want to just i'm uh, sorry were, did you, were you meaning to say america's podcast Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I think wow. I, you know, I think it passes with me. It might not pass with Josh, uh, Kevin, but I think your the pun game is openly accepted right now from my perspective. <laughs> um, more hits than misses if we're going back to Battleship Parlance. But <laughs> sure. yeah, here we are, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, after you know a lot of anticipation, years of anticipation, given that once upon a time, this should have, in another universe, aired a year ago as the first slate of programming uh, the MCU is putting on Disney+. Plus. We have finally experienced the opening episode, and there is a lot to get into. But to start, I would love to just go around the panel and get your overall thoughts on the episode proper and what we think might be coming five weeks down the line. Latanya, let's start with you. I thought it was Falcon great. I did. (laughs) Keep pushing that branding. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed this episode from the opening that I thought was Super cool, even if I nor Sam really understand the mission that he was being sent on. What um, is its mission? It's subtle. Yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah, be subtle with the Christ imagery. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> it's just jumping out of a plane and the symbol of the Christ. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that part. I really enjoyed getting to have a glimpse into the lives of, uh, Sam and and Bucky. I mean, it we don't get to see this a lot like these that's why I think that these Marvel shows are so cool, right? In addition to WandaVision being about um, you know, grief and gentrification, um it's also like a study in character. And this show is very much of a piece of that as well. We are getting to learn about the contours of the relationships that Sam has with his family, as well as a, a lot about his personal past. We're getting to see Bucky kind of like trying to live now in uh, it's 2023 or 24, I think, in mm-hmm. the timeline. Um, so even like, you know, ahead of where we are at the moment, but being a 106 year old man who was kind of like a murder zombie. So dealing with all of that in therapy, which is also pretty cool. There's not a lot of scenes of like men in therapy. I don't know that there are any scenes of superheroes in actual therapy aside from that little like stinger that we had of, uh, of Iron Man and the Hulk at the end of one of the, um, the Iron Man movies. So yeah, really enjoy this show. I'm excited to talk about all of the different themes that are surrounding it, like American exceptionalism, nationalism, um, how race plays into those things, uh, borders and the military industrial complex, which is obviously what this show is about. Those are the <laughs> things that this comic book show is wanting to address. What'd you think, Kevin? Um, yeah, I, I really like this first episode. I think, uh, the beginning 
was was great. I think at the beginning is an action piece, and I personally love that. Uh, I think it sets it apart a little from WandaVision, which started off very, very differently. Um, so it kind of like set the tone for, I think, a, a little more action-oriented series. But I, I, the beginning uh, to me already s- setting up the the inevitable end because Falcon jumping out is a direct reference to Cap doing the exact same thing, uh, and I believe Avengers. Um, so I think having that moment I, uh, of reflection between parallels between uh, Sam and Steve, I think, is really really cool. Um, but then I, I personally do think that the show really did like exceed what I'm hoping for by delving into the characters by after the action scenes, having these moments uh, with Sam and his family and with Bucky. And this is, this is the most likable Bucky has been since the first of uh, Captain America movie. Like he actually has a bit of charm. He actually Mm -hmm. isn't just like he's making jokes. This is the guy that I think was friends with Steve Rogers in, in the time period. This is the one. And I know obviously he's been through a lot, right? But this is really delving into that, I think, a really great way, but we're also getting a lot of his personality, and I, I really like that, and I like he's gotten a haircut, but finally, I guess, like he said, he, he, he went from one war straight to the next, so he didn't have time to cut his hair, but he's got time now, so he Relatable. has, um, and I think it's a lot better, uh, but yeah, this, this, this show has a lot that it's going to explore, including part of me that's just like, the ending was great, but it's also like, I think we were talking about this, Mike, you and I before, where it was just like, well, what did you expect to happen, Samuel? Like, there's a moment of like, this like, Samuel could, Wilson. Yeah, like, how could you, how could you, how could they do this? And I'm just like, how couldn't they do this? The moment that one dude was just kind of like shaking his hand and it was just like, it was the right decision. I literally wrote down F that guy uh, because (laughs) I knew he was going to be the one who did this. And sure enough, the moment he shows up at that podium, I'm like, yeah, read you like a book as well, you mother. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder what that guy is because I... It seems like, I don't know if he was representing the Department of Defense, because we know that, like, the Secretary of State position has always been, like, the seediest thing, right? Like, we had Robert mm. Redford's character in The Winter Soldier, and then we had, of course, Brent Steele, winner himself, Thunderbolt Ross, occupying the position. Like, this might just be, like, the Defense Against the Dark Arts of the MCU. Like, there's another shady guy to step into the position and be like, all right, time to do some evil stuff now that I have the job officially. <laughs> And then Bucky will eventually take the position. And it's yeah. just like, I guess this is okay. He's the good one who takes the position, I suppose. I suppose so. But he might be. <laughs> he did have the Snape hair prior to getting cut. Uh, yeah, I mean, to echo both of your thoughts, if I had three words to describe this premiere, for me, it would be a solid start. Uh, it is so low-key, uh, not to be confused with the show that's coming in three months. It might honestly be <laughs> one of the most like low-key pieces of the MCU that we have experienced so far. Because Sans the... Uh, the the flag smasher stuff and the first action sequence. This was just so down to earth and character focused. I mean, we we barely have ever had superheroes focusing on keeping their family business afloat. You know, it, it was yeah. surprisingly low stakes yet high stakes. Uh, in, in that regard, I I totally agree with what you both said. In that one of the things that that I said last week is that I was just so excited to get to know these two characters, and I think. In exploring Sam's past and sort of Bucky's future, it is really showcasing how these are two characters that can be mined for so, so much. And I, I heard, uh, you know, some criticism from people, especially in comparison to a show like WandaVision, that they felt this was too slow, 
uh, you know, a, a little too simplistic. I'm sorry, I, they felt it was too slow compared to WandaVision? I, no, I was going to say that. First of all, not only is it apples and oranges, it's like apples and like a stool in terms of just completely different objects entirely. <laughs> but what I will say is that I know that this trope has been thrown out a thousand times, uh, but Falcon and the Winter Soldier has been really billed as a six-hour movie. And now watching the first episode, I really see that. This first episode reminded me so much of like the first act of an action movie. Yeah, uh, for here sure. Here are two heroes. They're separate, but they're leading, you know, uh, lives that are thematically tied together. And then they're eventually going to come together. This this really did feel to me like the beginning of things rather than necessarily like this is an episode of a TV show. And then WandaVision obviously went through. I would almost argue this not the first act, but getting into semantics, I think this is yeah. the this is the setup to inciting incident, right? Like this is if we're getting into storytelling, guess what? Here I come. Um, I think this is you know when you start the story, you establish the characters and their world. Where are they now? And I think that's what we're getting a lot of here. So they position you know what Sam is up to, what Bucky's up to, and then you have the inciting incident, which will be the call to action for your heroes. And I think that's the ending of this episode, right? That moment is both a call to action for Sam, and I think it's going to be a call to action for Bucky, um, having this new uh, this new punchable face, in my opinion, underneath that helmet, um, you know, of their friend, of, of the person that they have both shared such connection to. Uh, so I think that the, I think you're right. I think this really really hit exactly that like from a storytelling pov to a t a couple of things first of all regarding u.s agent slash new captain america uh not america's ass specifically not <laughs> yeah we saw him from the back yeah <laughs> specifically not america's oh, wow. ass uh second <laughs> the title of this episode i think is very important as mm. well uh, the new, it's just called New World Order. There's no the, um, which is a term that I'm sure people have heard of before reference, but just for a little backstory on it, uh, it, in our world, it was first popular, popularized, um, in connection to Woodrow Wilson after World War One and beginning to form the League of Nations. And then when the League of Nations, you know, started to, you know, the ship started to go down. Uh, the former secretary general of the UN at that time essentially said that it was a result of American power projection that we were even using that term later on Bush, I believe Bush two in trying to like get people together for uh, get countries together for the war on Iraq and Afghanistan used it. And it's been a term that really has been bandied around a lot, especially by Americans in uh, policy uh, to kind of symbolize a change that has happened, a shift that has occurred often after big things like world wars, for example, the incident in the Marvel cinematic universe that causes us to have the title though, is the blip. Um, and so there's a new world order that is established in that way, as well as, you know, we've got Tony Stewart. This is after the death of Tony Stark. Captain America is gone to another timeline even though it seems like no one is sharing that information that knows about it. And so we're entering a whole new world order in terms of how people are supposed to cope after everyone came back from the blip. And that brings us to people like the Flag Smashers, um, for example, um, and other groups that I'm sure we're going to meet during our time with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I just thought it was really cool that that was the title because it's such a loaded phrase to use uh, for the title of your first episode. Not to 
contradict you, but I'm pretty sure New World Order is actually from wrestling and the WCW. I believe that that's the originator with Hulk Hogan and yes. Kevin Nash. Oh, yeah, actually, it's, 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 really it's, it's, it's WW and Woodrow Wilson versus WCW. There's, it's a yes. popular misconception. It's, it's very easy to confuse. Yes. It is a confusing time. I, I really loved Sam's speech at the Smithsonian because I think it absolutely reflects what you're talking about, Latanya, with him specifically saying, uh, we need new heroes, one suited for the times that we're in. And it almost suits a double purpose in that, like you said, uh, I feel like one of the most delicious parts of this episode from like a canonical perspective was really exploring the post-blip world. I kind of feel like Spider-Man Far From Home sort of like made it a joke at the very beginning and then didn't yeah. really talk about it. WandaVision obviously almost purposely separated himself from that. So this is the first time we're really coming to terms with a traumatic event that has rocked the universe. And so not only is Sam making a comment about that, it's, it's also a meta conversation about how does the MCU move on from the Infinity Saga? Mm-hmm. And this idea of new heroes and heroes that are suited for what's to come, I think also maybe sends out a flag if you will, to say, like, this is the type of stuff we're going to be tackling now. Uh, and I know, Kevin, as someone who, you know, we, we've done a, there's done a, been a lot of puzzling done, even just in the Discord proper, about, you know, the fallout post-blip. What did you think about the way that they, we finally got to sort of see the world of, of 2023 and all of its tragedies therein in this episode? I mean, uh, the least surprising thing, I suppose, is that the blip was used to further marginalize other groups. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, shocker, I suppose. But, um, yeah, it's interesting seeing the effects of the blip from this POV. I think, like you said, we, we, we've gotten these, like, the, the, the horrifying, tragic moments, the comedy of it. But this is really delving into the societal structure and how it's changed, right? And I think that's really interesting and that's really fascinating. And that's affected people in so many interesting ways because even when Sam is, is in, in, uh, and his sister are having that argument, um, I, I felt complicated in a way because, it, you know, she was the one literally running the ship for for five years. But the idea that it's just like, it's not like he left by choice. Like when he joined mm-hmm. the army, he definitely did a hundred percent. No question, but it's such a tough conversation. And I think both, it's one of those things where I, I, I see both perspectives here and it sucks because it is like, he's gone for five years, but it's not like, you know, he, he like made that decision to like get blipped out, but he wasn't there and he wasn't there the moment that the, the, you know, when, when their dad passed away and he was, he went and joined the army. So he doesn't really have a claim here to make this choice uh, for the one who's been running the business. So like, there's a lot, you know, um, that happens even on a smaller scale besides the bigger scale. Um, it's really interesting that uh, the government is the government. Of course. I think <laughs> that part, like I said, like, what did you expect to happen? Um, and I'm curious, Kevin, you know, we live in a society. Okay. We, we live in else. a society. <laughs> Isn't that right, Captain? Anyway, well, you know, I did um, see some familiar long stringy hair behind that flag smasher's mask. Just that's saying, true. You know, <laughs> Jared Leto confirmed, multiverse confirmed. We did it. Let's start theorizing now. Yeah, everyone, if, Torres, if, if Torres gets a pig carcass and a condom shipped to him, I think we'll know who's behind <laughs> that. Good lord, we did Jesus. it in podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that's a wrap. Pack it up, everyone. American in a nutshell. A pick anyway. Um, so. Yeah, a lot of that stuff is really fascinating, really interesting. And I, I'm excited and interested to see how it delves further into these fallouts. And part of me is also wondering, 
The fallout seems to be the shows, so to speak. I feel like the movie, you know, Endgame happened and it, we rushed it through a lot of the stuff. But the Marvel shows, I feel like, are about the fallout in its various shapes and forms between yeah. WandaVision here between Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I think even Loki, because Loki from what we understand is essentially time is broken and he's going to serve a sentence by helping fix it. And that time being broken is a direct also fallout from what happened in Endgame And I think infinity war. So all these shows seems to be in some way, shape, or form dealing with the fallout of what happened. And I think that's really interesting and that's really cool. And again, gives us a, a lot of time to delve into these characters in a fascinating way and how the world has changed in such a way that sets us up for a different future. Yeah. So, Latanya, I would love to get your thoughts on on all things Sam Wilson here because Kevin did a did a great segue here into not only you know I guess the 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 economics of the post blip world was seen mm-hmm. through that that terrible bank scene where you have this this loan shark essentially say th- with one breath we're going to deny your family this loan by the way can I get a picture uh, yeah. And and we'll find out so much about not only the Avengers pay structure, which I'm sure we'll get into, uh, but also just, again, you know, we, we get just a, a piece of dialogue that the world has sort of tightened uh, its loans just based on the fact that half of its population appeared all at once. And like Kevin said, it, it squeezes out those that are quite literally barely keeping afloat in the case of Sam and Sarah Wilson. Right. In the first episode of this show, we get to see redlining, you know, happen. Uh, for those of you all who aren't familiar with that term, it, it's a discriminatory practice that puts services, which mostly are financial, out of the reach of residents of certain areas, specifically based on their race or ethnicity. And, you know, it is a little ridiculous to be like, you don't have finances for the last five years. Yeah, you're right. I was a dead then. I was lived away. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm back. And I have protected this whole world so that you can sit in this chair and be smug and ask me for a picture. So give me a loan. And still that doesn't happen. And I think that that parallels the experiences of so many people who have either put their lives on the line in terms of, you know, service that they've done overseas for the military or just like small business owners who go into banks every day and are victims of redlining practices based on where they live and based on their race and ethnicity. And for that to happen in a Marvel show is kind of, I don't want to say revolutionary because it's not. <laughs> uh, it's, it's definitely unexpected. And it's definitely not a direction that you would expect for the shows to go in. But at the same time, it seems like exactly the type of thing that this show would discuss in the same way that we got a deep dive exploration into what trauma can do to a person in WandaVision. We're also getting this kind of exploration of what does it mean to be famous or a superhero in this world and to look like Sam Wilson? Uh, mm. It definitely doesn't mean riches and money apparently no one is paying him to do anything to the point where he's had to re-enlist in the air force um you know my parents re-enlisted when we were falling on hard times as well like in real life so it's just 
it's so much a part of what's happening in the actual world, what's going on in this scene. And it's just so, it makes me so angry that someone could, you know, defend, literally defend the world from a villain and then come back and not even be able to get a loan. At the same time, his sister, Sarah, was like, this isn't going to work. I've already tried this. <laughs> Just listen. We've been through this. Uh, but I, I do understand. I, I, I definitely understand where Sarah is coming from. She's very world weary at this point. Mm. Uh, she's had to, to deal with a lot on her own and being the caretaker of so many different people and then seeing her family's business and legacy like she said it took me a long time to come to terms with doing this we're selling this boat um but then i can understand how sam being off first doing you know saving the world and then having been blipped away would expect to come back to things being more or less the way that they were before and now he's trying to hold on to any semblance of what that looked like and what his family um, legacy is. And, and really, all this, this episode is all about legacies. It's about mm. his family legacy. It's about the legacy of Captain America and what that means to Sam and to Bucky, but also to America and the rest of the world. And so to see this all kind of like come together in this awful scene with this dude that also has a very punchable face. <laughs> Uh, was was really something. I guess, uh, yeah, uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac did not blip away. They will never go away, I guess. <laughs> all, of the, all of the people that used to work there, like, as underlings, just got promoted, and now this is what happens. Yeah, exactly. I know, I, I loved everything you said there, and I... The the new characters, and we'll we'll go into them over the course of this podcast, but man, Sarah Wilson, like, came out of the gate. I love her. She's such She's a great, great character. She's and, so awesome. Yeah, her and I think Adapero Oduye and um and Anthony Mackie have really great chemistry as well. Like you really get that that sort of sibling synergy in my yes. opinion. Especially yeah. the like don't hit me again. <laughs> <laughs> that hurt. Don't hit me yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> familiarity mean, right there. But it's it's a great it's a great call because I mean Sam's storyline was by far in my opinion the most unexpected part of this episode that we knew next to nothing about the the MCU version of Sam Wilson. Kevin, I'm I'm not sure if, if any of this stuff scans with what we know about his origin in the comics, but I mean I never would have looked at Sam Wilson prior to this series and thought like, "Yep, here's a guy who grew up on a family fishing boat in Nola." And is now coming back to make amends because he deserted his dying daddy because uh, he couldn't handle the pressure of it. I mean, I don't think the origins are that far off. I think that it's one of those like situations where it's updated slightly for modern day Marvel, right? Like when most of these characters, when they appear, it's like Tony Stark, you know, having originally been injured, I think, in uh, World War Two, and now mm. <laughs> updated to like the most recent war. Um, but it is, it is good to get these backstories and get these, get these delving into the characters and backstories and stuff are going to change for the show. But I think that they're doing it for the better. Like even with the stuff for Bucky that they're doing, I think is, is a little more delving further in and deeper than some of the stuff that we got in the comics to, I think the benefit of the character and the story they're trying to tell. Um, and for, for Sam, I just, yeah, I just really love what they're setting up with this character and the idea of, of course, 
clinging on to part of the past, right? Like that's the whole thing. He was gone for five years and he's clinging on to this part of the past that he can control in a way or hope to control or hope to fix as opposed to the thing that he let go of because he feels like he can't fix it, which is the Captain America situation. So like, I think that interesting parallel, that setup of a psychological dissonance between what you can let go and what you can accept is, is really what's trying to like set up for this character. And I think that's fascinating. And that's really interesting. Um, and I'm excited to see that play out, right? Like, we, we all also are assuming that this ends with him in, you know, the Captain America role, but we don't mm-hmm. technically know that. If the idea is that it's time for new heroes, maybe it's something different. Maybe, maybe they might change some stuff. I think for reasons that are way bigger, I think him taking over a mantle of Captain America is good and is important. Um, but like a lot of that stuff is, is interesting to see. And also I'm really hoping that the series actually does end with a shot of the moon and old man Steve Rogers <laughs> is just staring out a window because man, oh man, would that be amazing? <laughs> that would be incredible. I mean, there was a lot of commentary on online conspiracies, but yeah, I love how they played obviously for both dramatics with the flag smashers, but also comedy. Yeah, of course. Of course, there's someone out there being like, oh, pretty sure Captain America got sent to the moon. I've seen the affidavits. Uh, you know, he sent an Instagram post and you don't see the wind blowing in the background. Therefore, he's on the moon. Hashtag Moon Steve confirmed. I'll take moon my Steve. answer off the air. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, speaking of the, the, the Cap stuff, I do want to talk briefly about the roadie cameo in Yay! this episode uh because Don it was, was there yeah so it was it was this was a little bit something that was announced um prior to the series that that roadie would be making an appearance i don't think any of us knew when why or how and we got all three questions answered here in the premiere and there was a lot coming out of this obviously we, we got a bit more fleshed out as to why sam decides to abdicate the shield in this moment but there is something really symbolic to me about how you sort of have tony stark is dead cap has moved on and we sort of have like the the next in line right the next of kin in the form of sam wilson and Rhodey talking to each other like i, I don't know latanya to that point about that speech that was made earlier this very much felt like who's going to be the next generation of mm-hmm. people to take up those roles that were previously occupied yeah and there's there's also the fact that they were connected by they they both lost their best friends very recently mm-hmm. so they're connected by that and I really hope that some of what Rhodey says, you know, uh, comes back to um, Sam later uh, here because it's a really poignant conversation and the way that they're framing it against all of the Captain America iconography is also very cool. Um, I, I was watching one video where they were talking about the cinematography of Sam being like slightly off center when mm. they put the uh, the shield in the foreground uh, because he's not completely aligned yet with kind of the ideology of it and wanting to take over the mantle of it. So in addition to it just being a very poignant conversation between two people who just experienced a lot of loss and experienced something that, you know, only so many people in the world will ever experience is how, you know, fighting an alien <laughs> from outer space. Excuse me, Latanya, his on... name is Dr. Space Cape. Thank you very much. Senor <laughs> yeah. Space Cape. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I love Don Cheadle as an actor. Uh, I think he got completely jobbed twice this year when he was nominated for two different uh, Golden Globe Awards, and then we got to watch him lose both of them. 
Um, but I love him as an actor. I love that he doesn't differentiate between movies and TV. He's very British like that. And he, his presence alone conveys a, a weight to this story at the very beginning that we haven't gotten before in the MCU. Hmm. Kevin, you were someone who obviously, uh, due to the way that you you digest this stuff, did not know, I'm assuming, that Rhodey was was coming on here. So what was your yeah. reaction to his cameo? Uh, very excited. When I looked at the cuts, I was like, oh man, it's Rhodey! Like, I like, literally said that out loud. Um, and I was really excited about that because you're also setting up a situation where, like, Rhodey is understanding of Sam's feelings, but also is just like, man, I work for the military. What are you doing? Like, you know, like, he's trying, he's trying to not just outright be like, this is stupid, but like, yeah. I think <laughs> he's, on, you know, yeah, I think he's doing it in a way that, that, that's very purposeful and hopefully, you know, convincing Sam subtly to, to, to reassess and hopefully end where he needs to be. Um, and I really like that. And, and it's true that like both these characters lost their best friend. And again, this is, this is, just, I, I think something that's going to be about characters who lost someone who aren't who weren't always hanging out. I think it's different for Falcon and Rhodey because they have shared moments and scenes together in previous films, not a ton, but they have. And it, normally you might like, I, I, you know, uh, it's easy to also like want to just be like, Oh yeah. What the two black characters have a connection, but at the same point, they they would if they're just surrounded by other white people half the time like there's like there's a thing where I, like if i was in a group like that and there was another brown person we would sort of just kind of like, do, 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 to, like <laughs> have a conversation and talk because I we wish were everyone to see the little dance that <laughs> yeah, i really, and I really hope now. it is accompanied by the sound when you do it yes, as well yes. uh, it's I, real I hope subtle. this is how you approach all brown people it's just being like <laughs> to decide like a like a crab no. as well not even like, <laughs> yeah, just, like a crab moving uh, sideways and saying do 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 yeah but but i like that because of these moments too where it, there's there's like a lot that happens in a conversation like this that is left unsaid or not necessary necessary to explain because the other person gets it because of shared experience and i think that's something very very true to life or when i talk to certain people i have to sometimes explain a little bit more because they don't fully get what i'm trying to say whereas if i talk to a, another friend like if i talk to you know uh like another brown person or if i talk to like a black person there's a certain i mean there's a language that you don't have to like worry that they're not going to get what you're trying to say, I guess, is the best way to put it. And I think that's something here. Like, I, I was talking to one of my other friends about this. Like, we're able to just jump into certain things because we know that we get what each other are trying to say without having to, like, oh, right, you, 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 I need to explain this in some way. But that in a way that comes off as me being like, let me explain to you about, like, redlining, right? Like, let me explain to you about redlining. Like, you don't have to do that. You can just have the conversation. Um, but and, and I like that, that there is that with these two characters is the long way around of saying that I like this scene because it felt very purposeful and true. Yeah. I just, I don't want there to be relationships between black people that are based only in trauma though, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of what this is. Um, you know, the, there's a lot of reasons why people who look like each other tend to gravitate towards one another and they're not all trauma based. A lot of it is like you were saying, Kevin, just kind of a shared language or shared experiences. The do, do, do of it all. Uh, do, do, do. And, 
so I don't want to think of it like that, but I do like to think think of the subtext of the conversation, like of Rhodey's half of the conversation being like, dude, come on. <laughs> like, yeah. just what, what are you doing here? Like, yeah. that was a nice speech, but go get that thing back <laughs> and and let's let's figure some stuff out, you know? Mm. I would also I, I'd like to talk to Pepper Potts. I know she wouldn't remember being in the show or any of the <laughs> movies that she was in, but I'd just like to see, you know, she's giving out checks everywhere. Where are the Avengers checks? Okay, I can't the, I don't like, I understand I understand why because that's the story they're going to have to go with, but like that just like the habit that like Tony was not paying them is crazy talk to me because like it's a bit it's a plot point in the comics that the most of the Avengers and especially at a certain point in the modern day and when Tony formed a new Avengers uh, after disassembled, which is a storyline where uh, Wanda changed the world, or, uh, or rather mm-hmm. disbanded the Avengers, um, like he paid the people on the team. Specifically, that's how he got. Like, there's this amazing moment where he's going to each person and talking to them about why he wants them to join the team and the importance, and he hopes that the team can bring them X, Y, or Z. And literally, the only thing with the only panel with Spider Man is like Spider Man hugging him and Tony just being just like, uh, "You get paid," and Spider Man just like, "Oh, thank God!" <laughs> like, <laughs> like that is, is is such a key part of it and such a hilarious moment. So it's just. I understand for the movies why I understand why they're doing this this route, but I was just like, ah, oh, come on! <laughs> it was yeah. just one of those moments. It's, it's an interesting revelation. I'm still not entirely, I don't know, on board with the logic of it all, personally, that Sam's sort of uh, statements of altruism, right? It feels very PRA for him to be like, we do good things, and so people give back to us. It's the natural state of things. Yeah. Like, that's not the way the world sound works. like what's, it's, what's happened to you, Sam, because you don't have any money. Yeah. So it yeah. doesn't sound like you've gotten any goodwill from anyone, or or also, even like speaking of will, could Tony couldn't Tony Stark have been like, uh, hey, in case yeah. I uh, do a super duper snap, uh, I have billions and trillions of dollars. I'm going to disperse it amongst everyone who's helped me over the course of ten plus years. Nah, no, apparently my not. Pepper and my child need all of that money. <laughs> those two people need all of those trillions of dollars. I guess yeah. they're rich, even Tony Stark. <laughs> It's, it's a it's a good question though. I know it was something that was brought up in the the PSR Discord ever since the penultimate Wandavision episode had Wanda driving what could be loosely described as a sick ass Buick, yeah. uh, and people were like, "Oh yeah, like I guess I wonder what the payment situation is." And I thought, I, I don't know if they get paid. And, and Kevin made a great point again about how in the comics it's canonically even like a a plot point, but evidently here. I guess that Buick was indeed like a, a factor of goodwill. Maybe there was a deal at the down at the car dealership. Of yeah, like, hey, if you got blipped, your car half off. Now again, we, that I mean, does we explain know that, the house in New Jersey. Yeah, we know <laughs> that Wanda made that Buick. Come on now. Did she downgrade? If she could have changed it, why not just hit that thing into a Benz or something and she, that she made the the car that she wanted in the color that she wanted, you know? Mm. Let the lady yeah, have her. What was, it, what was it like a, it was like a lemon, it was like a jalopy, and she used her, her powers much exactly. like she made the things into the circus tent. She made a car into a Buick and was like, All right, great. The car great. I've always wanted. Yeah, good yes. enough. <laughs> She's well, a Sokovian <laughs> refugee, essentially. Like a, who knows? Like a Buick is probably the car she's been dreaming about since she was a child. Who knows? Buicks. <laughs> Cars for witches. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that has its, its pros and its cause in advertising, right? Like, some people might be really be into that idea. Others might not. But but Sam is, you know, making trying to make some some dough, as we talked about before, doing these uh, these missions. 
for the Air Force. And I just want us to talk briefly before we move on to the other half of the titular couple here about that first action scene that Kevin talked about. Because I agree, I think on paper it was like fill in the blank Marvel action sequence. But I think it actually, the more you look at it, uh, thematically speaking, has some really fun connections, particularly to Captain America and the Winter Soldier, because mm-hmm. it is a huge mirror to that, complete with yeah. this, the exact same antagonist. The same guy. That right, yeah, George, George Patrock is uh, back. Yeah, exactly. He's he's doing some more leaping this time around. Uh, leaping out of a plane specifically, but... Yeah, hard yeah, to leap tr- within the plane. He didn't he didn't get to do his flippy kickies uh, in no, the No, just himself. like pounding on his chest, you know? Yeah. Which yeah. isn't masculine or aggressive at all. Everything Like a fine. wolf of Wall Street, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Maybe he, was, he was pumping himself up. Unfortunately, Sam, yeah, and money's involved there as well, just in uh, less nefarious circumstances. So, yeah, I mean, the mirror was there, obviously. And while this did seem, you know, a little out of nowhere compared to everything, I think it does set up this great idea of, despite Sam refusing to take up the mantle of Captain America, he's literally doing the exact same missions Captain America did, fighting yes. the exact same guys from 10 years ago. Yeah, he's he's already doing all the work. So just give him the title. I cannot fathom how many times I've said that about my own life, but it's true. <laughs> you know, he's already doing exactly what Captain America did. He just, it, all, all the way down to the fact that he has no idea why he is doing this mission, who he is rescuing or what it is for. He is just following orders like you do uh, when you're in the military. Um, jumping out of planes in the same in a similar way that uh, you know that Cap did in Captain America and the Winter Soldier, it's it's such a cool parallel. Um, I love the way that they do it. I also just really love the the visuals, like spectacle of all of it. It's just beautifully shot. It mm. looks movie grade, like it looked amazing yeah. uh, to watch and to see all those people kind of flying around in their like Hydra suits or i, I don't <laughs> know what you call suits. those things they're flying yeah, I, I, believe, I believe it's uh if you play super mario 3 i believe that he has the no super mario world right he has like the 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 glider suit that he can attach yeah. the wings to to glide glider. through the air okay yes Thank you. those are the official names <laughs> <laughs> wing glider in the air yeah. um yeah that that part was the opening was just really cool. It was like a jolt of adrenaline that I did not know that I needed or wanted at the time. And then when yeah. it happened, I was just like, okay, that was awesome. In the and same place. watching this show. In the same place that Will Smith fought some aliens as well. Oh, same uh-huh. location? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. I, I pretty, Wait, should, I, should, I, Sam, should Sam have punched Bartrock in the face and said, welcome to Libya? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Please don't fly into Libyan airspace. Yes. Um, I like. I also like the little sidekick Torres. He's, mm-hmm. he's yeah. great. So that's an interesting note because Kevin, a lot of comic fans would clock mm. the name Joaquin Torres, and considering his current connection with Falcon, I don't know. I don't know if we if we want to plant our flag or our flag smashers places uh, <laughs> in fear of theorizing. But did you have any thoughts about a larger role that Torres might play in all this? I mean, I certainly think the larger role is possible. I mean, if we want to say, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he, he, he is the new Falcon, um, yep. yeah. <laughs> in the comics because Sam Wilson is someone else. <laughs> so, uh, I think that's really interesting to, that they could be laying the groundwork again. Why theorize in certain things anymore? Yeah. I feel like that one's not one that's super far off when Sam Wilson showed up at a certain point in the, in the movies. 
there was, of course, an inevitability of just like, there's a chance he could be Captain America one day. So I do think there there's a chance that Torres might become Captain America or Captain America. Maybe as well, if the thing just keeps <laughs> oh, passing that way. Um, but uh, that he could become the new Falcon. For a hot minute, I thought they killed him. When, yeah. <laughs> I literally gasped when yeah. he got stopped. And I was like, <gasps> like, because I also, I don't know where that actor is from. I just kept saying he was the... the He's from uh, On My the, Block, I think. Okay, I, I kept mm. being like, he looks like the child of Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Adam Driver. Um, Ooh, wow. <laughs> he looks like a fusion of those two gentlemen. Um, but like, okay. that yeah. explains a lot. I was like, oh, this Taurus is hot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, if you're taking those two genes and putting them together, you're what getting it. Good. good man. Yeah. I love you. Um, I mean, go find some more flag, flag smashers. Yeah, that, that and the, the flag smashers are really interesting. This is this is. This is a lot of the stuff that's being set up. Obviously, the, there could be implication that the person in the original mask could be the same person under the Captain America mask at the end. The person has some sort of powers associated with them. Did mm-hmm. they mimic some form of the super soldier mm-hmm. serum? Like, what the situation is there? There's obviously a lot of questions, a lot of setup, but I also find it really interesting with the Flag Smashers because it seems to be their entire philosophy is just like, we will just you know, smash all flags and unite under one, like, uh, one group, regardless of race and blah, 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 almost yeah, in a very, borders. like, yeah, the borders. there's this idea that's almost there. And I'm curious if they're going to go with it, where they're the group is just like, well, we don't see race. And it's just like, mm, okay, sure. Like, I don't, you know, I like, don't think they're going to go that way with it. I think they're just going to, I think that it's going to be more of a commentary on American, on Americanism. Or like yeah. just the symbols and the ideology behind being an American uh, than anything else. Because the from what I understand, the Flag Smashers don't think that there should be borders. They think that everything should, people should be able to travel freely uh, between nations in order to just essentially have a more perfect union, like more of a yeah. utopia, essentially. Um I don't know that the not seeing color thing is going to be in there because I think it's impossible when you're dealing with a open border situation. Well, hundred uh, percent. I think that's that's the thing about like why that philosophy is very flawed. Like the yeah, idea sure. of just like we don't you know we don't need to see color. And it's just like there's so many things about what you just yeah. Said. I mean, a lot of reasons it's flawed. Like I I'm pretty sure that the people of Israel and and uh, Palestine would have an issue with. <laughs> no borders you know for example mm-hmm. uh but you know who else would have an issue with that america we've right. we've always had an issue with it and we still have an issue with it and we detain people who come over here who try to flag smash well who uh, do you think america wants one nation under god uh, <laughs> it's part of our great under, under invisible <laughs> so, so the flag smashers in the comics is interesting. First off, the flag smasher was one singular character. Uh, so that I find it that interesting that I think, again, speaking towards maybe some of the more timely aspects, as we talked about last week, that has now sort of been sewn into an online stoked community of domestic yeah. terrorists. Yeah, I think weird. It's like a flash mob of duress- domestic terrorists, though. <laughs> yeah, terrorists exactly. like, All right, everyone, show up on this location and break into your, your bank robbery dance. Get yeah. your special costumes on. It, it's really intriguing because their specific platform, like you said, Latanya, is anti-nationalist terrorism. That they, uh, I believe in the comics specifically, are even less about the open borders and more so about, like, 
you think you're hot shit, insert country here. We're going to show you that you're not because these things can happen behind your own borders. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a really intriguing perspective because it's again that it's that whole like f society hack the planet anarchist thing of trying to bring down institutions from within but they're doing it in pursuit at this character's this perspective of a group that was incensed by probably being subscribed to r slash thanos was right right they're (laughs) essentially saying life was better during the blip that's saying something. That's really saying that's a something. Lot. Things were a yeah. lot better yeah. when half of you weren't here. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's it, not far off from like certain people, right? Because people were like, Thanos has a point, which we we, we discussed heavily in our podcast as well. Um, so it's not far off that, that this would become a reality. But it was, it probably was better for a lot of people or, you know, when half the population disappeared. I'm sure that there was some issues just trying to keep the lights on at first. Mm-hmm. But then once they started to get things figured out and got out of their collective depressions, they were probably making more money, had better jobs, et cetera, maybe had better opportunities to live in different places. And now all of a sudden everyone shows up kind of like where they blipped. And maybe some of those people are showing up in like, a boardroom or, you know, a new a house that like a family has or something like that. So, I mean, it's Sam says it in in the scene where he's trying to fix Red Wing. He says, usually when things get better for another group, they get worse for for all the other groups. And, yeah. you know, uh, that's probably true of what the people who are in the, the Flag Smash mob um, <laughs> think. <laughs> The flag smash flash mob. That's easy to say. And it's it's also probably one of the big reasons why the United States federal government decided that there has to be a Captain America in order to deter people at the very least and to, uh, you know, avenge at the worst. Um, one of the things that's interesting about this Captain America that I don't know if you all noticed is that he has a gun. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's a screams very much Bucky's reign as Captain America in the comics. Yeah. And Steve didn't have a gun from what I understand. Like everything that he was doing was uh, like the best offense is a good defense kind of thing. Um, trying not to use lethal force, even though I know that like you can't hit someone in the head with vibranium and be like, you're good. He's fine. Um, but, but at least not using a gun. Um, so I, you know, there's a lot of, there's so much symbolism that, that's happening in this episode. And there's so many different clashing ideologies already in the first episode. I'm really interested. And we haven't even gotten to see Zemo yet or, yeah. or know what Zemo is doing. So I'm really excited to find out kind of how they pull all of these like different conflicting yet dovetailing ideologies together and explain ex- is essentially what the flag smashers want. And we get more I- into the intrigue of what America is doing to combat that. Yeah. It's interesting because essentially Latanya, what you're explaining about the flag smashers is sort of what, what Sam is holding on to, right? It's this idea of like tenuously grasping onto a state in the past that you loved. Mm-hmm. And almost like at the expense of others. And they're, they're going about it just in completely different ways 
to be quite obvious. There, there's a lot there as well, not only from an ideology perspective, but you would imagine uh, when we left Sharon Carter, she was part of the CTU. She was with the CIA, mm. the counterterrorism units. So you'd imagine that she'd get brought in to all of this. Uh, like you said, Kevin, there seems to be some super soldier aspects. My pet theory is that I know that in uh, Civil War, the movie, there was like this plot line, right, that Bucky said, well, there's actually a bunch of Winter Soldiers yeah. and Zemo apparently killed them all. I think they could very easily say, well, actually, one was not killed and he's now working with the Flag Smashers. Uh, but yeah, it, it or is. Or she. Or she. Yeah, that's very true as well. But I, I find it really intriguing that to Latanya's point, like Zemo, who, who we would assume is the big bad. Nary, uh, nary a face or a, a purple mask shown in this initial episode. He'll show up in uh, episode eight and they'll have a catchy song for him. <laughs> Zemo all along. There's definitely a lot there for the Flag Smashers. And if there is even is a connection, probably uh, between the new Captain America and uh, and that organization, there's a lot of stuff that they, they're setting up. And no, there's no guarantee for any of it. And I think that's. That's interesting because it keeps it surprising and keeps us on our toes about what direction they're going to go. I'm very curious about what this new Captain America is going to be like. How are, you know, is he going to be closer to like a Homelander in The Boys, for example? Where oh, no. He's, he's like, oh. well, not that. Maybe Keep that not milk that away. Psychotic, but, <laughs> but like the idea of like they could have it where he's secretly nefarious and he's secretly a racist or something. Right. Like they could have that. That's easy to go that route. We could see it. Um, mm. Or we could have it that he's just kind of like an easy manipulated like public figure, right? Like he could be a um uh, a um I'm gonna say Mandalorian, Man- Trevor <laughs> Mandarin, not a Mandalorian. He could be like the Mandarin. <laughs> he could uh, also Trevor. be a Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, he could be like Trevor, where it's it's just a face, right? It's just it's it's the the setup for the bigger stuff that the government is trying to pull by having him out there. Like he's just what Cap was originally in the first Avenger, where he wasn't being used to fight in the war at first. He was used mm-hmm. as propaganda. So yeah. there's a lot of places they can go with this, and I'm really interested to see interested to see how that plays out, because I think there's a lot of paths forward. Um, and I like, you know, being a little bit, un- you know, uh, uh, surprised by, by what they end up doing. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Let's let's get into Bucky here. We have, we have waited long enough. The shift is over. Let's let's pull in, pull out some battleship. Yeah, let's talk about Bucky. Kevin, I could not agree more. Uh, Sebastian Stan really came out in full force in this episode. I loved the sit down with mcu dr melfi 
uh, Dr. Rayner, <laughs> I think her name is. And to your point, Latanya, I mean, do, do you think she's going to become a recurring thing? Do you because this is obviously, again, speaking to the more low key aspect of this episode, not something we usually see. Do you think we're going to get Bucky on the couch more times than in this episode? I I think that she will become a regular, uh, at least semi regular person in the series, just because of what we know from the trailer. Sorry, Kevin. Um, in terms of her trying to broker a piece of of sorts between um, Sam and Bucky. Um, And also the fact that she said that she was like a very effective soldier before she was a psychiatrist. Um, So there's got to be some connection. There's, there's some connection to the military and all of this. I mean, like who's paying for any Mm -hmm. of the things that Bucky has, he had to get pardoned um, for everything that he did. So I feel like the military slash the government is taking care of Bucky right now. Um, and that she is a big part of that. She's kind of been tasked with making sure that he doesn't like winter soldier out again. So, yeah, I think that she'll return. I hope that we see more therapy sessions because just in general, there needs to be more portrayals of therapy on television just so it can mm. be normalized because there are still so many people who just refuse to go to therapy and instead make four hour movies. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, I hope she's a regular presence. She seems grounding, but also knowing. I love the passive aggressive note writing in a notebook. It's basically all I ever do. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah. Very I hope Ryan she's from around. the office. <laughs> very. <laughs> Please don't ever compare me to Ryan from the office. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Season um, one and two, Ryan is a okay. The one who's just sure. the, the, the straight man to the insanity, and then he yeah. just goes off the rails. He just goes off the rails. But I mean, the the other thing here is that we the introduction that we get to Bucky is not Bucky. It's and it's him in his like Winter Soldier form. There's a uh, he's having a dream. That's a flashback. That what are you is about? kind he didn't of have a dream. <laughs> there was no dream. There's no dream. No dream. That's no true. There's no, I don't dream anymore. I don't have nightmares anymore. <laughs> I, I just had a nightmare. I don't have them anymore. Uh, <laughs> where, you know, he is kicking all the ass, which is nice to see. I know that the Winter Soldier is evil, but I love the way he fights. I have to, mm. I, I just do. Like, I just love the action scenes that feature him where he just goes to town and he does not care who is in the way. Um, I know that that's ridiculous and doesn't fit with anything else that I generally espouse, but I really enjoy those scenes. Um, but it's, it's obviously something that is deeply traumatized this 106 year old man. Um, and I think it's going to take years of therapy before he can, he can even start to have a breakthrough and unpack some of these things. So mm-hmm. yes, we have to keep fake Dr. Melfi around Dr. Felfi. <laughs> Kevin, talk to me about the notebook. Because again, another Winter Soldier connection, right? Oh, uh, both yeah. both Steve and Bucky writing in stuff to sort of correct things from the past. Uh, it almost seems like Oliver Queen style. Here Bucky is with a list of names, uh, people he's trying to make amends with. What do you expect? Is this going to be a guiding post for him throughout the season? 
I mean, I thought for a moment you wanted me to talk about the Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams movie, in oh, which case I would have... If only. Let's talk about The Notebook. Be, I mean, I'm assuming that's going to be like the special episode with Peggy and Cap, right? Where like they grow old and like she doesn't remember who he is. Oh, what are you doing? No. I mean, that's where is what happened. We saw that scene. Oh, God. Anyway, um, yeah, it's interesting because there is a lot of connections there. A notebook to thing to write things down and is is a bit old fashioned as well, right? Like there's something old fashioned about it. He says as he has a pile of notebooks in his video yeah, over there. I'm currently touching a notebook. Yeah, <laughs> but there is something to that, and something to the idea of like the connection there. Like Steve was trying to use a notebook too to like jot down stuff about the present and the, where he wants to go. Bucky is writing stuff down again, his connection to a past, right? That he needs to let go of. Um, there's something really fascinating about that and the parallels between him and Sam and those parts of it. Bucky, of course, is going through this because he's trying to make amends, which was such a phenomenal scene. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was great. Like, I'm here to make amends. And the like three so, rules are kind of yes. hilarious. As Why well? is it rule number one? <laughs> <laughs> well, I love That's that it's, it's I mean. essentially... Yeah, it's three rules, but rules number one and two are optional, it seems yeah. like, according to Bucky. <laughs> Definitely optional. Don't hurt anyone. Never gonna happen. Yeah, never <laughs> What's do rule that. number two? I can't remember. Doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. Rule number three, profit. But also... <laughs> but also explaining I'm no longer the Winter Soldier. My name is James Buchanan Barnes, and yep. I am uh, here for justice, and it's essentially. So, and it's so great, right? Because it's like right out of a 12-step program, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, just like, I'm I'm making wrong, my rights with all the wrongs. It's just in this case, it's like people you murdered, or in this case, relatives of people that you murdered. Yeah. That scene, um, I was going to say before that, it is it is the opposite also of Oliver Queen, because Oliver Queen had his murder notebook, yeah. where he went around and just, you failed this city, and then shot him. But, yeah, uh, it's, it's like, I you. Yeah, I have failed you, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Please go. forgive me for yeah. murdering the people you care about. Which, so, when that stuff started off, I, like I said, really charming Bucky, and I, at first, when he was um, you know, they're talking to Mr. Nakamura, uh, I believe is it was the old man's name, um, and like chatting with him and stuff. My mind immediately went to like, oh man, can Bucky only hang out with 90 year olds because he doesn't have anything in common with modern day people? <laughs> Which and, like, makes sense. It, it makes does. total sense. Yeah. And I, I really liked that. that I, re- I was really liking that fact. And then of course the moment. <laughs> He mentions his son. I was just like, oh no. I know. I was like, oh no. I was just like, never has Moshi has so, had so much significance. Yeah. Uh, that- <laughs> it's, and it's also, I mean, I can I can relate to the woman who's like the um, the server at the sushi bar, because like, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, ladies, who among us has not gone on a date with a 106-year-old super soldier? Like, who among <laughs> us has not done that? It's on the list. You know? Uh, and then, and then totally had them run out because they started feeling their feelings. Sometimes it happens and we just have to deal with it, you know? Um, I, I, I love the rug pull that happens in that scene though, right? Because like you said, like, first of all, it takes place in Brooklyn. So you assume that, okay, Bucky just went back home because he literally has nowhere else to go. Dr. Felfi did a really great job of painting like, you are all alone. You have nobody. You've been ghosting Sam, not to be confused with the Ant-Man and the Wasp villain. Why don't you like go find who you are? It wouldn't make sense. Yeah, he goes back to Brooklyn because that's where he's from. He makes friends with this nonagenarian man uh, because, like, that's the only one who, like, lived around the same time as him. You know, he'll uh, he'll grumble and grouse about the obituaries alongside him. And then, like, the gut punch hits you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as he starts yeah. talking about his son, 
you you really put like i don't think you even need the shrine right like i think you put two and two together i don't know if you need the name in the notebook though there are some fun easter eggs in there and you realize that like oh i guess bucky i don't know i guess the good question is is bucky facetiously coming coming close to him just to make amends is this more so that like bucky has nowhere else to go so he might as well start with someone on the list what 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 are your takes on that I mean, it's tough. It could be. I mean, it's easily column A, column B. I think there is a level of feeling guilt and wanting to, to, to make amends, but also not knowing how to approach an amends like that. Yeah. Um, that, that is really difficult. And he complicates it because it's also when you grow closer to the person, it's harder to then explain that you are the one responsible for what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, see Jessica Jones and our podcast uh, about Jessica Jones season one on the old, old, old originators and everything is super. <laughs> um, so yeah, there, there's a lot in there that I think is really good. And again, it humanizes this character that we really didn't get a ton of, of in these movies uh, who just basically look grumpy most of the time. It's also really interesting because he talks about like this idea of uh, he went from one war to the next almost immediately yeah. and that's over. So he is a soldier without a mission where Sam is running missions. Bucky has none, it seems. And when you are that and your whole life has been being a soldier and there's no mission for you, what, what do you do? What do you do now? And I think that's part of like what he's going through. You, you know, people talked about uh, Steve, for example, when he came back and he came out of the ice and he was in a similar spot, except he kept finding a mission. He kept searching for missions. Uh, he kept searching for fights to fight before he could finally find peace. Um, that was his journey, right? At the end of the day is that you don't have to keep fighting him and Tony in a way. Um, you can, you can, you've, you've earned your, your time. And so, I think that's interesting where he, he, Bucky's put in this similar position to his dead friend, except he cannot talk to his dead friend. Well, I guess we don't know Steve is dead if he is, or he's on the moon. Just, just look to the moon. It's, it's, the like moon. A, it's like an American yeah. tale, right? Like, I'll be looking at the same moon as you, and we'll be singing to each other. There you go. Aww. There you go. Everything is like American tale. A Captain American tale. <laughs> a Captain American tale. <laughs> Wrap it. We're done. We're done. Back it up. And scene. There are no cats in America. <laughs> oh no! Oh boy! I, I think it was a uh, to to start off with. It was a really good callback to the discussion that Cap and Falcon had way back when they met um, on your yeah. left about how they can't sleep in beds anymore because you know they're yeah. used to sleeping on the ground or a rock. And then we find Bucky having nightmares on the floor. Because he can't sleep in a bed of what looks like a very nice apartment. I'm going to keep saying this. I I believe that Bucky has been hooked up. Well, because, I mean, so we we, we find know. out that he got pardoned by the government, right? Yes. So I guess yeah. the question is like, was he given a per diem here? Is the government paying out more than Tony Stark might have? Yeah, seriously. Is he just on unemployment? What's happening? Um, <laughs> <laughs> does he have a? Does he have an uh, uh, EBT card? We need to or find. Or is it like a? Out. Is it a hundred and six year old pension that he originally started? <laughs> oh right. Ooh, could he would have accrued some social security. <laughs> yeah, or could it be rent controlled? You know, like this was his yeah. apartment back in the nineteen forties, oh, yeah. and like it just stayed at the same rent that entire time. So now it's dirt cheap. Yeah, yeah the the benefits huh. of uh, being 106 and still young and I mean, spry. We, we all need to be 106 and young and spry, and none more spry than the Winter Soldier, who puts on gloves because of poor circulation. Yes. Uh, I, I, I love that note <laughs> as well, though. It's like uh, it, it was a fun note to have Bucky try to get lucky, and that like 
you realize, oh yeah, I guess like he is going to try to to make it in this world despite being turned away by all the tiger photos apparently <laughs> online. But then you realize things like, oh yeah, he has a metal arm. Oh yeah, yeah. he's constantly looking around uh, because every time he sees a siren, he's afraid that he's going to get taken in for something. It, it's this odd sort of like broken psychology that he still lives with that despite people trying to push him out into the world saying, live your normal life. To your point, he looks back and says, what normal life? I, yeah. There's nothing I can go back to right I, now. I've, there's nothing that I can even remember that still exists. You know, everything else is just murders. And it's it's terrible. I You know, like this is so this is kind of like the classic. I was thinking about this in terms of feedback that we might get about why it's okay for Bucky to have gotten a pardon, yet we harp so much on uh, Scarlet Witch just like flying away after she uh, did her thing in Westview. And I think that the answer to that is intention, you know, mm. um, and culpability in terms of Bucky was frozen, literally, and then woke it up with keywords and then tortured and then told what to do. And didn't really have much control over what he did during those times. He was just he a literally super had soldier. no agency. He yeah, had he, zero he agency. <laughs> right. Whereas Wanda had all the agency and knew what she was doing and kept doing it anyway. Also, um, let's not forget that the stuff Bucky did, he did while brainwashed, sure, but he did that stuff and then saved the world versus Wanda, who saved the world and then did the bad thing. <laughs> You can't, well, you can't pre-pardon someone for the crimes they're going to commit later. <laughs> I feel like you're doing something bad, so let me just give you like a pass to begin with that you yeah. can use at any time. You get one, since you save the world, just know yeah. that you if you one. ever do anything really bad, yeah. you're allowed that. You're but suspect. after that, everyone's gonna... <laughs> you're suspect. Latanya spoke about some feedback. Let's get into some stuff. And of course, if you want to write in feedback, you can every week, super at postshowrecaps.com. But we also have the great Fitzy who sort of tracks a uh, conversation that goes on the day of and subsequent days on the Post Show Recaps Discord as well. So we're sort of, we'll, we'll, we'll do it between the two. Here's something from uh, Zach P. And, and Felipe had a similar comment basically saying, uh, in response to the episode, I loved it. I know some are let down by this being all set up and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier weren't in a room together at all during a show named after them. But if the rest of the show is them working together in a fast-paced, character-driven blowout, then it's super easy to forgive a slower first episode. So let, let's let's throw out some numbers here. And I don't want to, you know, make bets on eggs or anything like that. But well, when then do we what think- are we doing here, Mike? All right. Well, yeah. listen, well, we'll put our money where our mouth is. Uh, but when, when do we think that these two are going to come together? We only have six episodes, one down five to go is it gonna happen as soon as next episode i think the probably the end of the next episode yeah i think it has to happen in episode two mm-hmm. just yeah. structure wise again end of act one we come together <laughs> yeah exactly i guess i guess would it i mean to your point though kevin would it be like them coming together and be like can you believe this shit can you believe this guy or do you think it would be more so like a formalized event to bring these two together um well the, <laughs> i don't know what the formalized event would be in terms of the motivation, because like uh, I guess technically, may- well, no, because Bucky's not underemployed by the government, and I, it'd be mm-hmm. weird for the like. There's no, there's no plot reason to bring them together to confront the Captain America situation, because as far as the government concerned, that's been solved. We have a Captain America, so I do think there's a level where they can come together in terms of both being just like, what is this? 
Um, and like, you know, trying to figure that out. Uh, so I think that could unify them and possibly the flag smasher stuff could also yeah, unify them. That's going to be their yeah. mission. I think, uh, Bucky's literally doing nothing. He's just <laughs> hanging out with, with Nori and going and getting sushi, which sounds fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and going on failed dates, you know, again, we've all been there. And <laughs> so they're probably going to get them together and be like, look, we've got this, like, terrorist threat that's happening the two of you should help fix it and go felipe wrote i feel like the episode barely touched on sam being the face of the shield and just kept the energy around it with the museum stuff until the end let's talk about that because while we do get some obviously doting on the past uh i think sam says in his speech that it's been a few months since the events of endgame with everyone returning post glyph four yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think like three or four. Latanya, what do you think the chances are that we get a flashback to the time in between that and the beginning of this series to see Sam doting on the shield prior to putting it back in the museum? I think that it's possible that we get a flashback. I, I think that they tried, since this is a shorter series, they tried to accomplish that with the scene where he's putting it back into the art case. Mm-hmm. And we're hearing the words that Captain America said to him um, to say that the, it, you know, Sam says it feels like someone else's and Cap goes it isn't. Um, I think that it's going to take. It's going to take some inciting incidences in order for Sam to feel that not only is he worthy of taking up the mantle in the first place, but does he want the responsibility of doing so? Um, and then I hope that we get the kind of like erasure of the the first black Captain America. Um, I, I think I hope that we get kind of like a scene between those two people to kind of discuss this. So I don't I don't really know if a flashback is necessary. I think that what needs to happen more is this is more of this character study where we learn about the past through the people who are currently in the, in the present. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's what I think anyway. We very well could get a flashback because it's just easier as a mechanism of television. Right. Yeah, I I mean, I don't I, I really don't think we need it ultimately, right? I think I think what they gave us speaks to it. Like we had flashbacks in sort of sort of in WandaVision for obvious reasons, because it, it you had to. The way that they were telling that story necessitated it. And I feel like this isn't a story that at thus far necessitating a flashback yet. So yeah, I, I don't think we need to see him doting necessarily over the shield. We we kind of got that he did. We kind of got his concern just through the acting, through the emotion, and through the speeches. Um, and I don't think we're going to, you know, I, I don't think he's going to want to pick up the shield until closer to the end. I think maybe now he's just like, oh, I should have just done it. Yeah, I just kept it. Like, I should have yeah. not turned it into the Smithsonian, which... You can just shoot in because no one can go there. I was thinking of that. <laughs> <laughs> like... All of those places that are just open and available for shooting because literally no one can go there because there's a global pandemic, which, by the way, is our blip. This pandemic is our blip. Well, that's the thing as well, as I know that uh, the showrunner has talked a lot about how, especially because production was obviously halted or delayed in the middle of it because of the pandemic, that I think it allowed them to sort of go back to the drawing board and especially talk about an event like the blip in a basis of a worldwide traumatic event that I don't think we would have ever expected to 
go through before. But yeah, I mean, they I do wonder what stuff was sort of been able to film pre pandemic and post pandemic, uh, given, you know, everything that was happening. So maybe we'll we'll find that out all after the fact. Felipe also had a comment that, look, we've been throwing a lot of shade onto Tony Stark. But Felipe also pointed out that Steve kind of up and left, whether he got in his rocket or elsewise, and left Bucky to deal with his own PTSD. And it is an interesting point that, you know, while there are theories out there, we don't know where Steve is. And Bucky, I mean, for all we know, Steve is still alive. And Bucky is really hurting for a fellow 100-plus-year-old man to, to talk to about this stuff, Kevin. Yeah, this is the part where I'm I'm curious what 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 the outcome is, but this is one of those things where like you you really love certain characters and I understand, you know, fiction and reality and whatever. But like when you do these things after the fact about like characters you really like like to throw a different show altogether out here. Like I love Legend of Korra, but Legend of Korra also revealed things about characters you really loved when you, you know, from the first series and where they end up and what they were mm-hmm. like. And you're just kind of like, ooh, I don't want to know that they were like that. Like, I don't want to know that character was like kind of mean to his kid. Like, that's not something <laughs> you want. And I feel like it's the same thing here that raises these questions that you just don't want. Like, you don't, like yeah. Tony not paying people. You're just like, what the hell, man? Or like, yeah, mm-hmm. if Cap just like went to the moon and <laughs> left Bucky <laughs> on Earth, you're just like, what the hell, dude? Like, to be fair, he's like 106 himself and maybe he's not doing, you know, well. Uh, but it is, it is tough. Like, it is one of those things where it's just like, especially after like Civil War and, 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 uh, Winter Soldier, where it's just like, you, you did all this stuff to, to bring your friend back and then you just leave him. So that, 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 that really is one of those things where I'm just like, I'm curious to see where they go, but it doesn't mean I'm going to like it. He had to go see about a girl, you know? <laughs> yeah, about a dance. Yeah. <laughs> just sometimes you just leave. Sometimes yeah. you yeah. just leave your friends to deal with their trauma. And that's, how it goes, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, we should also mention as well, in terms of like Marvel news, I do believe uh, Kevin Feige outright said this week that any rumors about Chris Evans returning to the MCU yeah. were invalid. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, that we can sort of cross that off as well. My my can theory, you, though? I don't know. My, my troll theory this whole time has been that Chris Evans was brought back to voice zombie cap in the What If episode that they're doing. It would be Ooh. very much shades of like, when they brought in George Clooney on South Park and he just did the voice of Stan's dog. Like, imagine if they said, <laughs> big news, Chris Evans coming back to the MCU and all he says is like, rah, 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 the entire time. <laughs> he, is, he, he is back, though. He's in the um, he's in the, the Peggy Carter episode. Is he in the Peggy Carter, the mm-hmm. Peggy Carter short? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. So he, gets to, he gets to play a little String Bean Steve again, which is yes, fun. Yes, who I think is oh, doing God. a very um, Iron Man-esque situation, presumably built by Howard. But um, yeah, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, that because like you see him in the animation, so mm-hmm. and they they've confirmed that they I think got all the voice actors to to do their parts. So I want to say yes, that would make sense. I I think yeah, he'd come back in that specific scenario, but I don't know if we're gonna see him as Cap again. No, or, you I- know. And I and I'm I'm fine with that as well. Uh, you know, again, not not to sort of cross streams into DC. I've been watching Supergirl, and they sort of, mm. they they broached the idea of the whole Superman thing for like a couple of episodes, and I was fine with it. And I, I like this idea of Cap's absence leaving such a seismic crater that now everyone is dealing with like almost nuclear fallout yeah. from this bomb that went off. That we don't necessarily need him. Almost to your point, Latanya, about the flashbacks. I don't think we need him to show back up because I feel like that almost takes away from these other two characters who are hurting so much from his absence. Mm-hmm. The the lack of Steve is 
almost like more palpable and more emotionally anchored than having Chris Evans show back proper in that old age makeup. And it gives us that lack. The The audience needs to be able to experience what it's like to not just have characters reappear when we feel sad about it. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Looking at you, comic books. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you, entire industry. <laughs> no, I just mean in terms of television. It makes complete sense in comics that they would have <laughs> characters show up all the time when they are, quote unquote, a dead, but not in, you know, not in this world that is so much more grounded than anything that we have ever seen out of the MCU. I mean, did you ever think that we'd be having a conversation on everything is super about redlining and nationalism? No, mm-hmm. no, I but I'm glad <laughs> <laughs> I did not think that would happen. So, like, with everything going on and the, the small number of episodes that you know, this show has, there are only six, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So no, I just don't think it's in the same way that we like went, well, I, I didn't, but some went like wild theorizing about what could possibly happen. I mean, I think that should teach us a lesson. Uh, WandaVision should teach us a lesson about like wild theories and how we can let ourselves get let down by the actual product that we're watching. And we just need to like watch and absorb. Oh, no, LaTanya, you did say Thing. Does that confirm the Thing, the Fantastic Four, is going to show up at the end of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Yes. Obviously, this is is leading to the Falcon uh, unearthing the Thing, and then everyone, like, shows up from the Fantastic Four, and then mutants. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I will say... Captain is actually Steve Rogers from a different franchise. I, I will say I I it did cross my mind briefly that when it turned out they were in Louisiana that like one of the guys working on the boat is just Gambit. He's just gonna come <laughs> out and be like, "Hello, Cherie," and just like, "Here's my card. Take it if you need help on your boat." Dear God, oh, God, dear Lord, <laughs> and Channing Tatum all on. Well, to, to quote Latanya, uh, this podcast is far from a dead. We've got five more episodes. <laughs> so much more chatter here. We'd love to hear from you all with respect to your thoughts on this episode, as well as what's to come up in episode two. Again, super at postshowrecaps.com, or you can write in the fantastic postshowrecaps patron discord there's so many reasons to become a patron there is so much going on especially as we near the end of one month and the beginning of another one when um memberships roll over and you can really get the most out of it and listen if you need even just one more incentive to become a patron of posha recaps kevin mahadeo you have a new podcast for patrons only a post show recap tell us more about what? it that is correct i do have a new podcast the pre pre-podcast pre-show pre-game Pre-game, let's say. The pre-game podcast launched today for patrons. It is about an upcoming Disney Plus series uh, called The Mighty Ducks Game Changers, in which a fellow uh, patron subscriber and uh, awesome person, uh, Melissa Woodward and I, talk about the Mighty Ducks uh, movies in this pre-game. Uh, we talk about all three of them, the various players, our love for for this franchise, and uh, our excitement for what's to be coming. And we will be uh, doing patron exclusive podcasts each week about the show. Yeah, so I wow. believe that. I believe that. Well, I think uh, Game Changers <laughs> is coming to Disney Plus. I want to say the twenty sixth of March. The 26th. I believe it. That is yeah, correct. So, so it'll be coming very soon, and you'll have weekly podcasts to correspond with that as well. So again, if you needed any other reasons 
There's one more for you. But if you just want to check out everything is super, we're going to be back right here. As I talked about in the beginning of this, of this podcast, uh, be sure to send us any feedback you may have. And if you want to give us any stars, ratings, reviews, etc., as we get into this new series to bump us to the top of those charts, that of course is greatly appreciated. You can follow all of us at Kev Mahadeo, at LK Starks, at a Mike Bloom type, and of course at Posho Recaps as well, and let us know your thoughts. Otherwise, you can expect these things to drop, much like Sam out of a plane, each and every Monday as we keep going through the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm I'm so happy. This episode uh, impressed me in, in a lot of ways, and even talking through it more with the two of you has made me even more excited to see what exactly is to transpire over the course of the next five episodes. So that's going to do it for Everything is Super this week. We'll be back next week covering episode two of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But until then, take care. Bye-bye. Dismissed. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.